Yeah, great that so many people want to join this course. I'm happy about that. That you want to make uh, meditation part of your life. I'm looking forward to that and I'm wondering how many people will be here still in December. <laughs> so I will do my best to keep you interested. Maybe one short thing before we have our first short meditation. It would be a pity if you would be here to learn meditation because you want to calm down and lower your blood pressure or have like a tool to deal with stress. That's fine. I mean, I'm not going to throw you out. Uh, but that would be very modest and in a way a pity because uh, what we are going to explore and practice is uh, a very important part of uh, the awakening process, of the liberation process. So if you could direct your intention, your heartfelt wish, a bit to that, to the possibility of liberation to po the possibility of awakening, which is our birthright. And all of you, you are very close to it because you have the tools and the, the support uh, to actually do it this life. And then as a side effect, your blood pressure will also uh, <laughs> lower and you will experience a higher degree of well-being. But that's just side effects. So this is much more radical. So let's enter the, this course with a heartfelt wish uh, for liberation, for awakening. Not only for your own benefit, but because your own awakening, your own liberation uh, is your biggest gift to, to the world, to this earth. It will uh, deeply influence your children, your partner, your friends. So if right from the beginning, particularly maybe those of you who have children, it's quite easy to connect with this wish. I want to be a good father, I want to be a good mother, and that's why I want to develop my capacity to love and to be less reactive. So then, you know, coming from a more altruistic intention that the inner work is not only for yourself, but your inner work affects the world you live in. Because the world you live in is, in a way, a reflection of your own inner state. So changing that intention of, I want to feel a little bit better to, no, I actually want to use my life to bring forth my whole potential, 
my whole potential of wisdom and love, then you know that gives you the energy also to keep on keep on working, keep on doing this. If you just do it for feeling a little bit more calm in your life, you will return to Tuborg. Well, what do you drink here, Carlsberg? Because <laughs> that, that's that's easier. So this course will be a little bit different than the other stuff I have taught the last ten years here, and uh, that was not a waste of time. So, I kind of prepared those of you who are still around for this. Because you no, know, usually I talk about you know friendliness and gentleness, and I encourage people to have ten minutes of meditation, and and uh, so it's it's a very gentle style, very inviting, very spacious, and that's what many people need, but. Now I want to kick your ass. <laughs> and uh, I mean in a, in a kind way. Yeah? <laughs> so, so particular those who don't know me so much. Yeah? So, but I really want to uh, inspire you to be uh, passionate and, and diligent, and diligent about your practice, about your meditation practice. Before I wouldn't use the word training uh, in meditation, but at this time I, I really see this course as a training. And you just do what I say. So it's not something to debate or, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just you go to a fitness center and you tell the, tell the guy, okay, I want to grow these muscles, so what can I do? And then the fitness guy says, yeah, you have to do this and this and this, and you do that half an hour every day, and then you will have results. And this is a bit like this. I'm the fitness trainer, and I tell you what to do. <laughs> and if you, if you do it, you have results. If you don't do it, you don't have good results. I mean, that's your choice. So what we are going to look at now the next three months is a, a part of the awakening training, a, a awakening process, and that is the shamatha. It's called shamatha. It's a Sanskrit word. It means kind of stabilizing the mind. Sometimes people say concentration, but that's not a good word. Yeah? What we need to understand is right from the beginning, what we are looking at and what we are training in this course is not enough. Stabilizing the mind, cultivating, uh, sustaining attention is not enough. It is like a, it is like a necessary, necessary foundation then to go into the inside practice, exploring the reality of your experience. So, cultivating, sustaining attention, you would do that because then you would use that more stable mind uh, to do the work of 
seeing directly how you exist, seeing directly who you are. So sometimes, in some traditions, there's a confusion about this because once you stabilize your mind, you have a temporary rest of your problems. And it feels damn good. And it feels so damn good. Some people think, now I'm enlightened. <laughs> Until they marry. Uh, until they have a child, then the enlightenment is gone, because uh, it was not enlightenment yet. Yeah? It was just a temporary peace through, uh, through being able to keep your attention to an object you choose. So, so that means after this course we have to have another one. Yeah? So adding on, on sustaining attention. So let's uh, start with the first little meditation, just to slow down and uh, create some space. So if you want, you can close your eyes. And then start by just checking in how you are, what you bring with you into this moment. How is it for you to be here, to sit on that chair? Part of this checking in is that you shift your attention from the thoughts, from the head, into the body. So if with the next in-breath you slide with your awareness down your body, into your feet. And then with the out-breath, if possible, you can release some of the tension you carry. So with the in-breaths, embracing, sliding into the body. And with the out-breath, giving space or letting go like a fist opening. <clears throat> of course, thoughts continue to arise, that's okay. But allow yourself to emphasize them less. There's nothing particular you need to think about right now. Instead, notice the rising and falling of your belly. The energy in your hands, 
And the most important ad- ingredient in the beginning of your meditation is a sense of warmth, a sense of friendliness. As if you are meeting a friend, hugging a friend. So you welcome yourself as you are, and nothing is excluded. So if you're tired or a bit nervous or whatever, let it be okay. Then when you notice that you get entangled in the thinking, you drop back into the body, befriending your own energy. returning, returning and resting with what is. And with the out-breath softening in the belly, in the shoulders, allowing this moment to be what it is, becoming more spacious, then if it makes sense for you, we call upon the presence of those men and women who have gone this way before us and one way to do that is to imagine the presence of the Buddha the space in front of you and 
And it's not so much to have a mental image, but more to feel the presence of compassion and wisdom, like a rising sun, a rising morning sun, where you bathe in the warmth. In the same way you allow yourself to bathe in the loving gaze and the smile and the golden light of the Buddha from the toes to the top of your head. And then you can add masters and teachers who are inspiring for you. Karmapa, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, other teachers, male and female. So we call upon the presence of the lineage, inspiration, the guidance, becoming aware that we're entering a time-tested tradition, not made up, but time-tested, going back to the Buddha. So you stay connected with your body and you feel the golden radiance which is filling each cell of your body. Then the Buddha and the surrounding teachers, they dissolve into that golden light and it enters your body at your heart level. And it fills your heart with light. And you become aware of the Buddha in your heart. Your spiritual essence, your Buddha nature. This sacred place at the core of your being. And your heart opens like a flower. Radiating wisdom and compassion. Peace. Love. Stay a bit with the innocence in your heart, the Buddha in your heart. 
then we align ourselves with an altruistic intention, inspired by the Dalai Lama and the Karmapa, the heart of Bodhicitta, the awakened heart. To align with our intention to use this life to wake up, to wake up and to grow up for the benefit of all. To use this life to bring forth the love you carry in your heart. That's what we are going to train in the mental fitness center. No, it's more a heart center actually, not a, <coughs> not a mental center, but the heart center. And traditionally, uh, these, uh, this practice within the Tibetan tradition is described in nine or ten stages. And we will use ten stages uh, and these stages are very precise. So it's a description of the, the map of this training with the things you have to do, the things you have to look out for, and the challenges, challenges which arises in these nine stages, and the antidotes towards these challenges. So, of course, we have here different people who are on a different level within your meditation practice. But even those who have kind of already cultivated some stable attention, it's good to go back and kind of build up from the ground. Yeah? Because one mistake sometimes beginners do in this training is they try to deal with something which are not supposed to deal with yet, something which comes later. Yeah. So it's good if you, you know, if you have some knowledge about meditation, and of course it will be expressed in the way you will be able to practice the next three months. But if you kind of start with the beginning, yeah, kind of you pretend, so I'm a beginner, yeah. And then we will slowly build up your skills.
So now it will not be the case that all of us will reach the ninth stage. I would say few. <laughs> I mean, you can do it within three, four months if you, if you really get into it and you, if you have some, some uh, kind of genetic potential. Yeah? Or from the Buddhist point of view, you would say like for previous lives. But still, we, go, we, we will go through the sequence. Uh, and you will just fake it until you make it. Also, it is quite common that beginners and people who have not really uh, cultivated a stable attention, mm -hmm. that they have experiences from the upper stages. They kind of break they break in. Even if someone just sits down for the first time and meditates, he can have a, a kind of a glimpse or a kind of, kind of a short of experience of um, peace, of connectedness, which, is, which he can't sustain because it's just kind of, it's like a moment of grace. So knowing what is going to happen in the further stages gives you some understanding of these kind of experiences and you can put them into the right place. But also, it's actually helpful to have a map, to have a precise map. I mean, if you go onto a journey and you see, ah, this is what it is leading to. This is why I'm doing this. This is what is lying ahead. And it's so fascinating uh, to when you do this journey, to realize more and more, wow, these guys are right. They have been there. Yeah, I go there and there is the building, like just as in the map. Ah, there is this crossroad, just like in the map. Yeah. It's like strange because they are talking about your mind, your heart. <coughs> How could they know? But they did, they, they, they do. It's inspiring. So, and then when you, uh, when you start to see, wow, this is, actually, uh, this is actually a map which leads to liberation in the end, to awakening or enlightenment. And you can check like in the beginning, ah, yeah, I did this and now, I, now yeah, this is it's like this. And I can, through my own experience, confirm what is being said in this map then you also increase your faith into the further stages. Then you, then you know, okay, I'm not there yet, I'm not sure, but since the first few, st few stages I have confirmed in my own experience, so I think it's worth going on. Yeah? So we will just go through it. And then, depending on your... on, on the on the passion you put into this and where you are in your life, yeah, it might be three, four years uh, you need to work with this material. That, that could be. Yeah. Also, at one point, you need to do a retreat. Yeah. So, uh, like weekend retreats, weeks retreat, where you remove yourself and then you, you, uh, you, you can more inten in intensively work with this as you do in daily life.
So this, uh, this teaching, uh, no, in the different Buddhist tradition, the cultivation of stable attention is, is important in all Buddhist traditions. But they have different ways to put it. So we will uh, rely on two Indian masters, uh, Asanga, Master Asanga, who lived in the fourth century, and uh, Kamalashila, who lived, lived, who worked with Asanga's material, and he lived in the eighth century. And he was actually one of the Indian masters who went to Tibet. And Kamalashila, he wrote this text, Stages of Meditation. And I've received teachings on this text from, from different masters, but also from His Holiness the Dalai Lama. So that's the nine stages. We will add a tenth stage, and that is a kind of the preparation stage, which I will talk about tonight. And the first stage I will also cover today. If I don't, uh, I, if I don't get over the whole thing, then I will send you some some material where you can read at home. Yeah? Because we kind of need to, you know, boom, 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 stage by stage. Yeah. So I've sent you two books you could read. Uh, if you didn't get the email, then you have to send me an email so then I can put you on the list. But I sent you uh, two books you could read. The first one is Attention Revolution by Alan Wallace. One more, please. Could you write it down because we didn't get it. Yes, you, you got it. We got it. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> because you are on the mailing list. I haven't. Yeah, so you need to send me a mail, and then I put you onto the mailing list. Uh, so, and the second is a book uh, by Kula Dasa. It's called The Mind Illuminated. And what we are going to do in this course is based very much on that book, because he has a very practical and, and good way to put this material together. I also will give you a, a piece of paper every, every time, which I will give you after the break, where I put down a summary of each of the stages. And then, so that's the homework. Yeah? I will give you other homework as well, but that's, that's one of the homework. So I, I gave you the, for those who, who like to have like a symbol, yeah? I gave you this, it's a traditional Tibetan drawing of these 10 stages. Yeah? You, I have more here. <coughs> I don't have more. Uh, I, I will send it with my next email. I will put it on the on the attachment, and then you can print it out yourself. So this is uh, really a traditional Tibetan, and it shows the ten stages. Yeah, uh, and um, it describes uh, the through symbols, what's happening in these nine stages. So if we go down there, yeah, so stage one, that's what we are going to talk tonight about. That is the preparation stage. Uh, so we will call it the preparation stage. And then the next stage will be stage one. Yeah? So the numbers we need to change a little. And we have to do that because 
if you want to use Alan Wallace's book, he uses a bit a different model so that we don't get confused. Yeah? So the monk, that's you. That's the meditator. And the monk has two things in his hands. One is the rope, which is symbolizing mindfulness. And the other one is like the, a kind of hook to lead him, uh, uh, the elephant. And that um, is symbolizing a powerful intention. And this is something we need to talk about a lot, not, not only today. Because it's our intention mainly that is the, the mental process of intention which will guide us through this process. Because one thing is not possible, and we have to understand this from, right from the beginning. You can't do this through willpower and force. Because you are not in charge. Because you are not in control of your mind. Why? Because there is nobody there who could be in control, except the one you make up. So this is something, I will repeat this a few times, because it's a bit uh, challenging, maybe. You know, because we have a sense, yeah, this is I, and I have, I'm in charge here, and I make the decisions, and I can make the decisions, the, the de decision, OK, mind, everyone listening, we are watching the breath now. <laughs> And these bastards, they don't listen. <laughs> All these other processes. Yeah? So we need, to be, we need to be much more delicate in this process. Gentle, skillful, intelligent. This is one of the main, th main reasons why people get frustrated with their meditation practice. Because they try to go into that that's why I don't use usually the word training, because training is like, okay, I just need to get into, I will beat this bastard. Yeah? <laughs> I, will be, I, will, I will beat my agitation or my nervousness or my anxiety. And this is not going to work. So how do we align? This is called unifying the mind, yeah? which is something which is happening in the later stages unifying the mind. How do we get all these competing processes which are going on all the time in your unconscious mind, how do we get them to join the awakening process, the whole team? Yeah? And willpower and trying to be the dictator, it's not going to work. So this hook is symbolizing this intention. So the, 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 the elephant is your mind. So we are training the wild and elephant of your mind. Yeah? The, wi the wild elephant of your mind, which can do a lot of damage and has had done, has done it probably in your life. Damage to yourself and damage to the people around you and damage to the environment. So that's the uh, that's the, 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 the elephant. The big black color in the elephant, which you notice, it becomes less while we, when, we, when we go up. Yeah? In the beginning, it's completely black. It's completely mad. And this is symbolizing the five hindrances, which we need to look at. Five hindrances. Yeah? So the five hindrances, 
they are not only uh, disturbing uh, the cultivation of stable attention, they are disturbing the well-being in your life. So working with that um, in your meditation will also increase the well-being, the general well-being in your life, because they, they, they interfere with they interfere all the time, the five hindrances. The monkey is, uh, sometimes people say, the monkey mind. So the monkey mind is um, symbolizing uh, the agitated mind, the distracted mind, jumping around, yeah? Jumping around, being restless. And uh, so also the monkey, you see, will, will slowly ch uh, um, change his color. Yeah? And then the last symbol is the rabbit, which will not appear in the first two stages, but in the third stage, or in the second stage, according to the way we will do it. So the, the rabbit is symbolizing another process which we pay attention to. We, we, we pay attention to a few other processes, but these are two main. There's the agitation of the monkey, and the rabbit is symbolizing dullness. Dullness. Yeah? Dullness is... Uh, yeah, dullness is uh, like a haziness which goes into drowsiness, which goes into sleep. So these are the, the three, two poles in our meditation practice. There's the agitated mind the whole day, attention jumping forth, back and forth all the time, and jumping on a lot of stressful things. Yeah? I mean, it's not jumping on the good things, which it could, yeah? but because it's not trained, it, it just habitually jumps on, I'm not good enough, and you're not good enough, and, the, and everything is, you know, it sucks. Yeah? That's, that's what our untrained attention jumps on, out of habit. And then, in the afternoon, we got, get so tired from the monkey mind, you know, dullness comes up, yeah? the rabbit comes up. Yeah? And that's like what we do. Yeah? And then, and then we in the evening we put a two bog on the cards back on it, because this is really, you know, it's very hard to kind of calm down. So, and that's dullness. And uh, dullness is, is very, uh, it's uh, it's very interesting uh, to to start explore dullness. Um, now, I, so now I I would like. Oh, it would be so nice if I could just download it, you know? Like, <laughs> okay, so that's it. Five minutes, download. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we could just sit and meditate, yeah? But, but that's not how it is. So now I kind of, I try to uh, give you a lot of information. But it's on the pieces of paper, and I will send you extra information. So you don't need to remember everything. I'm also recording this. So you can listen to it again. So this is um, this is what lies ahead of us. Uh, there is a kind of a distance between the stages, which symbolizes.
that it takes some time of training yeah, to go from one stage to the next. The fire is symbolizing effort. Yeah? So also that will become less and less and less until we slide into something which is called effortless meditation. Yeah? And then there is also, no, because it's like this, there is also the possibility, uh, it's symbolized in why it's like this, because you can kind of jump stages, yeah? but you also fell down. So let's say you have attained the fourth stage, which I think we all will, will attain the fourth stage. That's quite you know, realistic. Uh, also, knowing that we will we live busy lives, but uh, the fourth stage is, is really possible. Then, if something happens in your life, something challenging, you might fi find yourself falling back, yeah, because you know the the stuff you bring into your meditation will be more challenging to work with. Yeah? Also, uh, it is usually the case that. In one meditation session, we kind of go a bit through the stages. Yeah, so even if you are uh, an experienced meditator, uh, you might need to kind of slide into the stage where you actually are, and going through the through through the lower stages. So you can put this uh, diagram somewhere. Maybe if you have a place where you meditate, where you do your daily meditation. Um, then you can put it just as a reminder, and then when we go through the stages, you can you can um, you can uh, connect it with this symbol. And also, at the end of this course, you should have memorized what the stages is about. I mean, not like memorizing in that sense, but you you should know kind of ah, this is what you do in this stage, and this is what is going to happen, and this is the antidotes I use. Yeah? So then this can be a kind of mm, yeah, a kind of uh, condensation of the of the stuff I've talked about in just one page and just some symbols. Yeah? That's the purpose of it. Yeah. The tree. The tree? I don't know. That's uh yeah. the elephant's ass. No, that's... <laughs> I don't think so. He's standing in front of the tree. I think this is just uh, ornaments, decoration. Yeah, I've, I've never heard something about the tree. So... Let's talk about the preparation, the preparation, preparation stage. So the, the, the goal in the beginning for us is to develop a consistent and diligent meditation practice. Yeah. So consistency means you do it every day. So, consistently. Diligent means you sit down with a strong intention. So, you're not, you're not going to sit down and spend the whole, the half an hour, 
did daydreaming. So you, you, it's like the diligence, the intention, the strong intention of I understand what I, what I want here, I know what I'm doing, I have goals and I'm going for it. Yeah. So consistent, to, in order to have a consistent meditation practice, it's good. And usually I, I don't say this, but now I have to say it. It's good to do it on a certain time. Usually I say, yeah, do it whenever it fits and you know you have to be flexible and creative. And that's true, that's still true. So I'm not I'm not <laughs> contradicting this. But here in this case, most of us, not everyone, but most of us, it's helpful to just make it part of your schedule. And you just do it. Does it matter if it's in the morning or in the evening? Nah, no, that's, uh, they can be flexible, but for many people it is good to do it somewhere in the morning. Yeah? After, you have the co after you have a coffee, but you have, you have the next two days, uh, the next two weeks, you have time to experiment a bit around this. Yeah? So mm, it's a bit of a testing time the next two weeks. No, I'm saying the time doesn't matter. You just do it every day. And of course, then there's some people who just don't manage to have a, like a meditation practice on a certain point in the day. Then, then you just jump around. Yeah? So, and there is nothing like a bad meditation. The only bad meditation is the one you don't do. Yeah? So just the fact that you sit down, that's good enough. That brings me to a, 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 another, I said intention is important, yeah? And in this process of, of unifying the mind. The other one is positive reinforcement. So what you need to learn is to give yourself a pat, of a a pat on the shoulder, to have Moments where you say, ah, yeah, this really sucked, but I didn't run out screaming. Good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You did it. Mm -hmm. uh, ten minutes of monkey mind, jumping around. One moment of, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to watch the breath. Pat on the shoulder. Not, boom, 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 monkey mind. No. Mm -hmm. Ten seconds of mindfulness. Pat on the shoulder. This is very important. Because this is how you motivate this process to stabilize. As, as I said, you can't do it with willpower. You, you need to, you know, it's like an animal, which you, you know, you, 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 you feed something good. So many beginners, they do the opposite. So they, they want to do a meditation, so they breathing meditation. And the mind wanders, and then the mind comes back, so you realize what is happening, and you bring your mind back. And then they blame themselves for the 10 minutes of not being aware of the breath. And then that process which made it possible for you to have this aha gets discouraged. It starts to hide. It's that, no, better not showing, because we get a, 
a bomb on, on yeah so whenever whenever there is something to rejoice and as i said just the fact that you sit down with this fucking mind uh, that's already something yeah where you where you where you feel proud about yourself So, consistent, it uh, is good if you have a place where you, where you do your meditation. The best would be, ideally, it would be a place which stays. Like, there's your cushion, there's a, maybe like a picture, you could put this picture, maybe the Dalai Lama or a Buddha statue, and you could light a candle or something like that. So, so your place. Um, of course, we also then, throughout this uh, course, we also want to learn to bring uh, short meditations into daily life. So, yes, we have a consistent place where we do the formal practice, but then at the same time we also train the flexibility to be able to meditate everywhere, whenever, in each situation. This is important. You can't do this work if you have like uh, 45 minutes of practice and then the rest of, your, the rest of the day you forget about it. That's not going to work. So we need to also explore uh, you know, walking meditation, eating meditation, shower meditation, cleaning the dishes meditations and, and stuff like that. So that, that you that you continue this process um, throughout the day. Yeah, diligence, that has also to do, uh, uh, yeah, diligence is like, you, you uh, diligence comes from intention. So you sit down with an, with a, with an intention, this is the practice I'm going to do. Of course, you will fail particularly in the first two, three stages. But, but, the, but that is the intention. So that you get, that you master the energy for doing it. Um, we need to talk about three things here. First is the anti-protocol for your practice. So the anti-protocol is how you get ready. You know? So there is a kind of a sequence. So you're not going to sit down and say, okay, now I'm, yeah? But it's like, it has to be a bit of a process to, you know, to get ready. Then we need to talk about the object. What, what is the object of our meditation? Because we can uh, cultivate stable attention with any kind of object. Yeah? But uh, I want to make it more simple and offer you two, two different objects. And then the next two weeks, you will kind of play a bit with it and then settle down with one object. Uh, 
yeah, maybe I stick with this too first. So the enter protocol, and then we have a break. A bit, uh, a possible entry, uh, entry protocol for your meditation was the meditation we just did in the beginning. Yeah? So, what did we do in the beginning? First was the posture. I didn't say anything about it, because, you know, many of you just, you know, you started to even, like when I said, okay, so then some of you, you just started to, to get into a more, like, dignified posture. So I don't have time to talk more about the posture tonight. I might do it later, but also that's something you can look up. Meditation posture, seven-point meditation posture. Yeah? So you can look it up on Google, and then you can, you can experiment with it. You can sit on a chair. You can sit on the floor. You can stand. You can lie down, and you can walk. So these are the four meditation postures. It's not only the sitting posture. Yeah? So lying down is a meditation posture. So not lying down on your bed, yeah. So it's a so, but it's definitely an option because there is no there is no value right now for us uh, to use the time of meditation to to train endurance, endurance with pain, endurance with discomfort. This is not helpful here. So it's it might be some, some there might be some benefit in it, but really try to make yourself comfortable <laughs> in the posture. Uh, experiment different ways to sit, and then there's always the option of lying down and do this meditation. And this is not a lesser meditation posture. It's not that the Buddha said, okay, the the real meditation posture is the sitting. Yeah, and then we have the lying down, that's for the weaklings. And then, and then, <laughs> no, it's not like this. It's four postures. And they are four sacred postures. It's not a, a failure or, you know, a sign of that you don't really meditate if you lie down. Yes, sometimes 45 minutes is a bit too long for sitting, so then you could uh, split the 45 minutes into uh, sitting and then you lie down. And also walking? Um, yeah, walking is uh, definitely possible. Also walking is a shamatha practice. Uh, but uh, since we will work with the breath as the object, uh, then walking might be a bit uh, distracting, but you have to try out. Usually when people use walking meditation for shamatha practice, they use the sensation in their feet, in the sole of your feet, as the object. Yeah? But, uh, no, you can experiment. So, then part of the enter, enter protocol is to repeat the intention like to, to say, so I'm going to meditate, maybe if you have, if you are used to say some prayers, you can say the refuge prayer, uh, a bodhicitta prayer, uh, but there's some kind of uh, realigning yourself why you are doing it, and what you're doing, 
and that you want to do it and that it is precious and that you have understood why you are doing it, that it is the most precious thing you can do in your life is to wake up, to use your life to wake up. And if you are with monkey mind and black elephant mind, the probability of waking up is lower. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's lower. Yeah. So it's really time-tested that the probability of waking up, of liberation, um, is much higher with uh, stable attention. And uh, later we will understand that a bit more, why that is. You need to understand what you're doing. And I'm not sure if I can, uh, you know, because otherwise I would have to start with a kind of a introduction into Buddhism. Yeah? And we don't have the time for, do, for doing that. So I hope I can kind of hook um, into your own understanding or your own faith or your own intuition that you are here to wake up that that is the opportunity in this life. Yeah. Um, so then the entry protocol, part of the entry protocol could be, but this is only when it makes sense to you, is to invoke the presence of the Buddha, the presence of the Dalai Lama, yeah? to, to take the time for doing that. Yeah? But that's only if you, you know, if this is like uplifting, no, it's, it should uplift you, and it should uh, give you energy. If it, if it invokes resistance, or you can't connect with this kind of practices, then you just leave it. You know? And then uh, dissolving the Buddha, and the Buddha in your heart. So that's, that's all like, could be all part of the entry protocol. I, I gave uh, some, there's some talks uh, on, you, on, on my SoundCloud profile, where I describe the entry protocol in, in, into more detail, yeah? But whatever, you no know, prostrations, you, know? you do three propaos or prostrations, offerings, yeah? Lighting a candle, lighting some incense. Uh, so these are like traditional practices which are slightly different in different traditions, but they all do something, yeah? Even like the most bare Zen meditator, they do like something, yeah? And reciting a prayer or something like that. And this uh, entry protocol is meant to help you and get settled and, and real, uh, realign yourself with your motivation. Uh, could we have uh, His Holiness as uh, the entry protocol uh, if it suits you or if we... Yeah, sure. Have, because mm. he also, also is a Buddha. So uh, if you feel... Yeah, Yes, yeah, so then the object. The object is, is uh, pretty straightforward. We will work with the breath. It's, it's also a bit new uh, for me to reintroduce the breath as a, as a meditation object. Yeah? Um, of course, what we, in the end, what we want to have as our meditation object is the nature of mind, the emptiness of mind. So, but if I start with that, then... Uh, okay. Now we, I need to have a bit more practical or obvious object. So, 
the breath, of course, is being used in all, in all spirit tradition as one of the main objects. Yeah? And there's two, two, uh, two options I want to give you and to play with the next two weeks so that when we meet next time, you have settled on either of those. The first one is the breath, the sensations in your nostrils. Yeah? The, the air coming in and out of your nostrils. Yeah? So that's, that's one option. The other is the rising and falling, the sensation of the breath in the belly. Yeah? So these are the two options. I will lead you, uh, after the break, we will do a little meditation so that you get to know these two objects. So I mentioned intention as an important part. I mentioned positive reinforcement as an important part of this process. The third is curiosity. Curiosity. What is that in Swedish? Yeah. So get damn curious about the breath as if your life depends on it. <laughs> and it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, explore the death, the breath. It's like an unknown territory. You know, there is sensations and parts of the breath you, you have no idea of. You have not noticed them. Yeah? See the breath as something precious. Remember no, like remember times when you had difficulties breathing and then the relief of just sitting here and breathing. It's like drinking nectar is the most precious thing. Yeah? It's like, wow. It's, I mean, an orgasm is nothing compared to <laughs> being able to breathe and, and really feeling the nurturing and, and the joy of breath. And you can bring memories into it, you know, like maybe, maybe you witness someone dying or you, you have someone in your family who struggles with asthma or you have asthma yourself. So these are kind of reflections which can help you. Wow, this is something amazing. It's something precious. It's like I'm breathing. Wow, I'm alive. It's like, yeah, I want to, I want to look at it. I want to be with it, you know. I mean, paying my bills, who cares? You know, the breath. <laughs> I'm breathing. Okay, the bills, you know. Yeah. But here, here I am, I'm alive. So, uh, so this kind of, of curiosity we need to bring into, into the meditation. That, so that's part of, it's not force. It's like a, a loving curiosity and falling in love with this, this aliveness in the breath. If you're able to do that, it is a piece of cake. Two meditations, second, ninth stage. Yeah? <laughs> second meditation. <laughs> yeah.